0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first installment of the Ask the Pastor podcast. I am Dr. Brooks Green, lead pastor of Sequoia Baptist Tabernacle. It is my privilege today to be answering some questions that you have submitted pertaining to Christianity in our contemporary culture and how that ties back into the Word of God. The first question we have to consider today is, what is the Christian's role in politics? There's a few things to consider here. What makes us Christian is that we are in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ when he was here on earth made it very clear that the kingdom he rules is not of this world. So first we as Christians must recognize that the kingdom of which we are primary citizens is not of this world. At best we're dual citizens. We have a citizenship that is in heaven in God's kingdom incorruptible and we have a citizenship in a nation here on this earth. One is eternal, one is temporary. You and I may move from one country to another during the course of our life. It's also possible that the nation in which we live can change entirely. Regimes fall, people get conquered. So the nation of which you're a citizen now may change its identity at some point in your lifetime. All that to be said, there's a kingdom that's eternal and it is to that kingdom that our highest allegiance and highest priority belongs. Earthly kingdoms are great, but they have flaws, in that they are ran by humans. And you and I must accept that when humanity gets involved, error and sin and selfishness can always become part of the equation. With that being said, should a Christian have any role in politics at all? The answer is yes. We have some involvement as given by scripture. First, we are instructed by scripture that we're to pray for those who have been given the leadership authority not just by people like we see here in the United States, but God himself grants the authority to those leaders of this world. So whether we agree with them or not, it is the responsibility of every Christian to pray for their civil leaders at all levels that they would seek the will of God and honor him in the decisions that they make. Beyond prayer, we as citizens are instructed also to be obedient to civil authority. So when a government, local, national, institutes a law, it is the responsibility of each Christian to adhere to that law so long as that law does not impede their service to their primary citizenship in heaven. Stated otherwise. If, as a believer, your nation passes a law that contradicts a law of God's kingdom, then at that point you must adhere to God's law over man's law. It doesn't mean we're exempt from the consequences. If you break the law, you will have to endure the punishment. But we have to choose God's kingdom over civil kingdoms of this world. Because again, one is eternal and one is always morally right. So we pray for our civil leaders and we honor their leadership. Is there any further involvement? Well, I think that as Christians, it's wise for us to participate in advocating for legislation that adheres to our faith. It's also wise for us to engage in voting power that's been granted to us. We want godly leaders, leaders who will listen to the will of God, adhere to what he wants done, and will push forward the kind of things that Christians want to see in their society. I think that there are some people that God has raised up to serve as civil servants. We see it in Scripture, from Daniel to Joseph to others in Scripture that we could point out that God has called specifically for a certain time and purpose to help engage in civil leadership to protect his people and to further his kingdom. That's not everybody. Not everyone is called to engage in such civil service. Pray for those who are. actively seek those people out that God has called to serve in such a capacity and advocate for them to be in office. One thing that I would caution us against even if we elect people that are godly, it does not mean they will always do God's will. And it does not mean that we can count on them to further the kingdom of God with their civil service. It has always been a pain point for Christians when they have sought civil authorities to further advance the kingdom of God. The mixing of the two just does not work. I know we have this concept of separation of church and state. And the original idea was that we did not want the state interfering in what the church was doing. But understand, there is a counter to that as well. If we try to make our civil authorities further advance our own religious beliefs, then what you have is a civil government that advocates for one particular religious viewpoint and doesn't allow for any others. You can look throughout history and find regimes that were highly Catholic. You can look around our world right now and see highly Islamic religious organizations that are leading civil governments, there is a risk when one religious faction also controls all civil authority. So Christians, here's the takeaway. We don't look to civil governments for our sole authority. We don't look for them to advance our religious causes. We are called to be part of a higher kingdom. We pray for these leaders. We honor their leadership. But you and I must live in the religious or spiritual realm And not in the civil realm. Our second question today why are many churches scared to share the gospel, and how can we do better? Let's consider this for a moment. When we think of churches, we are talking about individuals who form a body of people. That body of people then is influenced by the individuals that make up the body. So when we ask why are churches scared of sharing the gospel, we're really getting down to the root of why are individuals scared of sharing the gospel. And I must preface that by saying, I'm not pointing at any particular church and saying they're scared and that's why they don't share the gospel. There can be many reasons why people don't share the gospel. But I think it worthwhile for us to consider a few. I think one of the major reasons that churches are scared or people are scared of sharing the gospel comes down to a lack of confidence in the gospel itself. I know that I went through undergraduate and seminary and came out of both of those experiences with a very unclear understanding of what constitutes the gospel, what leads to a person's salvation. You can even sit in the same church for 10 years and hear the gospel preached and taught with different requirements and different aspects that are needed in order for one to be saved. So when the gospel message is not taught clearly and is not taught consistently, People are unsure of sharing the gospel because they're not confident in what it is they need to share. I hope that we see here at Sequoia Baptist Tabernacle a clear and consistent presentation of the gospel. The gospel is this, Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Jesus, who is God, didn't just die, but he died for your sins and he rose from the dead. And he tells us that whoever believes, whoever trusts in that, that is salvation. When it's that clear, it takes away some of the lack of confidence that many people, I'm sure, experience when it comes to sharing the gospel. Another challenge we see is that people just don't prioritize sharing the gospel. If we want to talk about why churches don't share the gospel, some churches do not perceive that as their primary mission. They're seeking to actively influence maybe the civil governments around them. They may be trying to make a difference in the economic status of people around them. Some groups are trying to serve the world to show the love of Christ, and their focus is showing that goodness more so than sharing the gospel. So if it's not a priority, that's one reason why you wouldn't hear much teaching, preaching, or see much action. But for us on the individual level, many of us just don't have the burden for people around us. We look at people and we reflect upon them with judgments and biases that have been ingrained in us since youth, we look at people and don't see them as Jesus did, as someone who was worth dying for. Instead, we would rather just allow that person to go on without being confronted with the gospel in order to not have ourselves have the uncomfortable moment or uncomfortable conversation. Some people are afraid of being rejected over the gospel. Let me share you, friends. It's exactly what Jesus did. He was rejected and hated over the gospel because it was not what people wanted to see or wanted to hear. We as Christians have got to look at people with the same eyes as Christ. This is someone who is a soul that Jesus created and he loves and he died for. And we must prioritize sharing with them the good news of Jesus over our comfortability and preserving our relationship. So yeah, it can be a confidence issue. It can also be an issue of not prioritizing, and I'm gonna say it's even a little bit of a comfort issue. We get into our comfort zones many times as believers that the Christian walk has to do with living a certain way, listening to certain things, being certain places at certain times, and we get comfortable with that part. If we don't consistently share the gospel, it is something that is uncomfortable to us. It's breaking down walls barriers that we build up and we can see the way it's playing out in our world today in a little further scale recent research has shared that many people would find it offensive if you knocked on their door and shared with them that they were going to hell unless they adhered to the beliefs that you brought to their door that day there was once a time where people were a little more receptive to that I think that today many people think about that experience and how they would respond if somebody came and shared the gospel with them, interrupting their dinner or their favorite TV show and dropped the news on them, you're destined for hell unless you do what I say. But friend, that's not the way the experience always goes. We often sell the Holy Spirit short in that he is always working in the hearts and lives of those souls he loves. There are people in the store that you visit every day in the school that you attend, in the job site where you work, that the Holy Spirit has been leading them to the point of accepting Jesus. He has been drawing them and He has sent us forth as His emissaries. We're His ambassadors to take that good news into the communities where we live and walk. But if we don't do it, we're afraid of conveying the message. How heartbreaking it is to think about the possibility that there are people that the Holy Spirit has drawn to hear the Gospel And we have not made ourselves available to share it. There are people out there who are looking for someone who can tell them how to deal with their sins. And you and I have that message. But we're just not bold enough to make ourselves known as the person who knows the way, the truth, and the life. So some of it is confidence. Friend, be very confident in what the gospel is. It'll help you when you come to share it. Prioritize sharing the gospel those souls are worth whatever sacrifice you have to make to communicate that truth to them. And then get comfortable with it. You're not going to become an effective soul winner by just sitting in a chair and doing it once. It's something that you have to build into your habits. Set yourself the goal. I'm going to share the gospel this number of times this week, this month, and then build up to where it becomes a habit that you're used to doing in your daily walk. I know that doesn't address every reason people don't share the gospel but if i had to go with the top three i would say these are some of the most insignificant the most significant barriers to why people are not confident and therefore scared of the unknown feat of sharing the gospel friends thank you for your time today I trust that the Holy Spirit has been able to use some of the words and these thoughts to challenge you in your walk for Him and as you consider His will for your time on this earth. I do seek further questions. This is not the lone installment of the Ask the Pastor podcast, so please, when the next opportunity presents itself, look at our Facebook page and share those questions that I can take the opportunity then to address the issues that are most near and dear to your heart and mind. I'd like to close us in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your desire to have a relationship with us. We thank you that you allow us to know you and serve you. I praise you for the questions that have been offered for this Ask the Pastor podcast. And I pray that I've done you honor in the way that I've answered them. We pray for our leaders at all levels. We pray that you give them wisdom and guidance as they seek to do your will. And I pray that you would give us a burden to elect the people who are going to seek you over any party affiliation, but Lord, the people who want to do the things that please you. We pray for our sister churches in our country and abroad, that you would embolden their people to be burdened with sharing the gospel, that you would give them confidence in that gospel, and that they would have it as a priority each day to share what Jesus did with a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Lord, may we bring honor to you in our day, and in all things may Christ get the glory to which he's rightly entitled. Amen.